Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Christmas season is upon us, but this is no silent night in Georgia politics. Welcome to the Politically Georgia podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, joined by political insider Patricia Murphy for an episode about a, a fairly busy week in Georgia politics when it was not supposed to be that busy, Patricia. Happy holidays, Greg. Yeah, happy holidays to all Georgia politicians <laughs> who keep on making news. Last week, Governor Brian Kemp announced what might be the biggest economic development project in Georgia history. Now we're learning it may have taken a record incentive package to get Rivian to come here. I mean, we've got in the statute jobs tax credits. We've got other tools at our disposal for bigger projects like this. But I mean, really, the thing I focused on with them was speed the market of the site and having the workforce that we could help them train and hire. That's what the governor told me in our one-on-one interview last week before the announcement. We reported on AJC.com this week that senior officials say the package will far exceed the more than $400 million that Georgia offered Kia Motors 15 years ago to win a smaller project in West Point. Patricia, this goes to show you that you know big economic development deals are big money in Georgia. Yes. Well, they do say you have to spend money to make money. And I would say that this is a really good example of that. But even if, let's say it does top $400 million in incentives, this investment is going to so far outpace anything that it costs the state of Georgia, as long as it was, as long as, it was re, as reasonable. We'll have to um, put that caveat in there. This really stands to transform a part of Georgia that right now is essentially hayfields for miles and miles. Uh, It's the space between Atlanta when you're heading out to Augusta. And to think what this difference will make for a lot of those small towns, not just the 8,000 to 10,000 jobs that we've heard could be coming directly from Rivian, but then you have to think about the thousands and thousands of jobs related to suppliers. You think about the families that will be moving to that area. You think about the homes that will be built to accommodate the families moving to that area, and it, it will just be really transformational. I think also for any governor of any state, the ability to win and land an auto manufacturer is just a huge crown jewel for anything that they are doing. And so we knew it was incredibly personally important to Governor Kemp, as it has been to lots of other governors who compete for these. It's always the biggest achievement that they typically talk about when they're leaving office. And so we uh, have known it was very important to both him personally and then also to the state. And um, that means it's going to cost you a little bit upfront to make it happen because other states were ready to do that and sometimes more. Yeah, we're talking at least 7,500 jobs, um, which is 
about $200 million right off the bat with the with Georgia's mega job tax credit, um, which calls for all sorts of tax credits per job per year for up to five years. So right there is a big chunk of money, but there's also going to be infrastructure improvements. There is an, a state-funded workforce training facility that will be on Rivian's property, much like there was with Kia. Um, there is legislative changes that could be made. So, you know, it's impossible for the governor in an election year climate to promise that they will pass. But certainly it was something that came up in discussions. Um, Two changes. One would be a $5,000, reinstating the $5,000 state tax credit for anyone buying electric vehicles. But even more importantly for Rivian and other electric vehicle manufacturers is legislation that would clear the way for them to sell directly to consumers rather than having to go through auto dealers. And Patricia, that's, that is not an easy sell in an election year climate, especially with all these powerful auto dealers that you know that have considerable influence in the state capitol, not to mention the fact that Butch Miller, the Senate GOP leader, happens to be one himself. Yeah, it is um, no coincidence, I guess, that a car salesman is also a politician. And there are a couple of those down um, at the state capitol. And if you go around any small towns in Georgia, it is typical. I've always found that the families that own those car dealerships are a little bit like the royal families in their county. They are so immensely wealthy. They are so powerful. And they have a huge amount of sway at the state capitol. And so if they're able to push this through, and you would have to assume it would be over the objective objections of of the um, of the car dealers unless the car dealers were able to do some sort of a carve out or able to convince Rivian to let them sell Rivians uh, at their own car dealerships we'll have to see exactly uh, how this comes down but it's already got an enormous amount of velocity because it's been announced publicly and the rest of it is going to have to be just putting the fun the finishing touches on those pieces of legislation I mean whether they'll pass or not we're really going to watch that carefully yeah and we certainly know The governor is going to put this at the center of his economic argument in his 2022 campaign, especially facing former Senator David Bruno on his right, his Democratic arch rival Stacey Abrams on the left. Both Kemp and and Purdue have been leveling brutal attacks at at, at each other uh, that haven't paused during the holiday season whatsoever. But Stacey Abrams, she's staying out of it. But she acknowledged some uh, some of her best arguments in 2022 in a new radio spot. Hi, this is Stacey Abrams, wishing you and your loved ones a Merry Christmas. The past year has been a hard one for so many of us, but I have faith. Faith that with the right leadership, we can build a Georgia where all have the opportunity to thrive. Patricia, this is, this is Stacey Abrams' opening strategy. She doesn't have to go hard left because she's already consolidated Democratic support. She doesn't have a... A, a credible rival in the Democratic race yet, and even if someone raises their hand, it won't be any significant, you know, name who could who could beat her because no one in Georgia Democratic politics could beat her right now. Um, you know that that just shows her advantage. She can she can air these types of ads that don't even mention her opponent's names, and also target them towards rural areas. I mean, we're told these ads ran in black stations and gospel stations, but also in rural stations in majority white, predominantly white areas in, in Georgia where, you know, where if she shaves off a few Republican points and picks up you know, a little bit of support, it can turn a very close race into a, into a Democratic victory. 
Yes. And she has actually been doing um, quite a bit of media around the state. She just did an interview with the Fox affiliate in Augusta. I mean, let me tell you, that's not um, millions of voters watching that, but it does show how much she has an advantage here that she does not have to spend a lot of time going after another opponent. She doesn't have to spend a lot of time even getting her name out there, but she is able to do these small targeted um, messages uh, that do have a rural underpinning and that um, in that Augusta interview, she also weighed in about um, uh, Lincoln County, which is a very small rural county, has um, some changes coming to to its elections, and she was able to weigh in on that. That's not the type of sort of narrow casting a candidate can do at this point, unless they just don't have a lot else um, that they're having to bat down. She's not having to answer any negative attack ads. She's able to really have this playing field to herself, and uh, she's able to stay positive, you know, and it's not quite the puppy ad that we saw from Raphael Warnock. You know, he was able to stay really positive while Republicans were busy just beating beating each other up in that Republican on Republican fight in the in that open primary. Um, but this is also very true, I think, to who Stacey Abrams is. A Merry Christmas and a happy health care. You know, that, that, that is uh, exactly who she is, in my opinion. But it really gives her a long runway here to do what she wants to do, um, really, until she has to face a challenger. And this is an interesting side note, but also, you know, you remember in 2020, David Perdue would travel the state saying Democrats don't want to say Merry Christmas, you know, that, dredging up these arguments from kind of a decade ago in Republican politics that that would basically help energize the base. Well, you know, now we've heard Stacey Abrams cut that one at the knees by airing an ad that that not only says Merry Christmas, but also suddenly reminds voters that, yeah, her parents were both Methodist ministers. You know, that's something that 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 is an important part of, of, of her story, of her personal narrative that will help shape this 2022 race. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that she is not ceding the territory to Republicans on this. She's not giving them uh, free range in rural Georgia. And I think we will continue to see her targeting rural voters um, because in Georgia, that is not an entirely conservative white electorate. There are very high black populations in some of Georgia's most rural counties, really important numbers uh, that she can pull in if she can activate them and motivate them. And that's always been her strategy. Strategy. Um, so she's able to um, really narrow cast to those rural areas. And then also she's not ceding the ground of um, evangelical Christianity either, saying that I'm pretty sure she's the only one in the race who's both of their parents were, were uh, ministers. And so she'll be able to say that as well. And that's not a message that I really remember her, her going to in 2018. So um, it does show just these shades of difference in the race that she's just starting to unveil. You're right. And she also won't have to introduce herself to voters anymore because she has almost universal name recognition in Georgia politics. That can hurt and that can help. It can help her, of course, with Democrats who already support her policies, but also among Republicans. It can hurt her because she's up there with Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris in the polls we've seen uh, on the Republican side uh, with their disapproval ratings. So, um, you know, with, with, with that sort of negative perception already built into a lot of Republicans' minds, it's hard to overcome that in an election year. And she might not have to worry about that because she can just focus on the people who already either like her or think they might like her. 
Yeah, there's certainly no doubt that Stacey Abrams is very polarizing to a certain piece of the Republican electorate. But as long as she does not have a Democratic primary right now, she is able to do things that might make a difference on the edges, even with some of those independent voters or more moderate Republicans um, who down the road might be open to supporting somebody who, um, if you say, for example, take it all the way down the road, if David Perdue were to win and uh, a moderate Republican didn't want to support him, could they be open to supporting Stacey Abrams? Um, that's a question she can hopefully start to just move the margins on ever so slightly. So a good example of that is that she actually has a children's book coming out a few days after Christmas called Stacey's Incredible Words. It's about her. It's uh, very inspirational, of course, and the type of thing uh, that you would read to your children at night. And so no other candidate that I can think of has this amount of leeway to be out there selling a children's book while there's a Republican primary on the other side that is just bound to get nothing but visceral visceral and really, really ugly. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. We want to thank all our subscribers this year, especially those of you who receive the jolt every morning in your inbox. That is our daily political newsletter compiled by myself, Patricia Murphy, and by Tia Mitchell, our Washington correspondent. We round up every nugget and every story we can and deliver you the most complete political tip sheet in Georgia every day. It's one of the many benefits you get as a subscriber to the AJC. And by the way, digital access starts at just $1 a week, which can make a great last-minute New Year's idea or Christmas idea. Patricia, before we go, there's some late-breaking news that will affect the 2022 campaign in a major way. Brian Kemp's signature healthcare policy agenda, that is a work requirement for recipients of Medicaid, that was scuttled by the Biden administration two days before Christmas. Um, this was a workforce requirement that would have put tens of thousands of Medicaid recipients back on the state rolls if they could show that they were working or involved in some sort of community program. Um, but Democrats said it just didn't go far enough because it would still leave about 400,000 Georgians off those rolls. And they've, Stacey Abrams among them, have questioned why he doesn't just support a full expansion of Medicaid, which he thinks is too costly and too inflexible in the long run. Yeah, when Brian Kemp put this 
proposal forward initially. It was something that they really touted. It was a way for uh, Kemp and Republicans to address complaints from Democrats and not just Democrats, complaints from voters that there were um, too many Georgians who were simply uninsured. Um, They were making uh, too much money or had too many assets for Medicaid, um, but also cannot afford Obama uh, care premiums. And so there is this large swath of still uninsured Georgians, um, hundreds of thousands, quite frankly. So this was what this was Brian Kemp's way of saying, no, I am addressing this problem. It was a very narrow group who were going to be able to qualify for what he was putting forward, but at least it was an answer. And we know that he was happy with it because he talked about it a lot. For this to get held up now in the courts, I think that he will use that as a political um, talking point. He certainly will say, I had an idea. And in fact, it was the Democrats who were standing in the way. We know we'll hear about it again in a political context. But uh, to your point, it was uh, about 10% of what Democrats are proposing. Democrats really didn't want him to be able to have this as a talking point when, in their opinion, it just wasn't going to make meaningful change in the lives of many, many people who still need access to health insurance. And so um, we'll certainly continue to hear about it. But I know Kemp would have really rather for it to be able to be put into action so that he could show it as results and not just as a promise or a, a political talking point. Yeah, I agree. I, I won't be surprised to see if Governor Kemp tries to turn this into a gift. Every time Stacey Abrams says, hey, I want to expand Medicaid, Governor Kemp can say, I do too in a conservative fashion, and I'm fighting the Biden administration to be able to do that because he has promised to take action in court to try to push this forward. Even if it's a losing battle, it's something he can talk about going forward on the trail. Yeah, and it won't be just something that he talks about. We're very sure that um, Chris Carr will continue to talk about it as well because I'm sure he'll be involved in that in that legal action. If you need some podcast options during the holidays, the AJC has you covered. We did two shows earlier this week on this feed. Our first was a look at the transition to a new mayor in Atlanta with our inside City Hall team of J.D. Capilouto and Will Nobles. Plus, we did a special tribute on Sunday to the late Senator Johnny Isaacson. Over on Access Atlanta, we have our Movies of the Year with our film critic Felicia Feaster. And on the Bowtie Chronicles, our Falcons beat writer D. Orlando Ledbetter has you covered with what's left for Atlanta as they face the Detroit Lions this weekend. Patricia J. Black, our producer, thank you guys so much for joining me again on a almost year-end Politically Georgia podcast. We have our year-end Politically Georgia podcast now coming up next week. Very good point. We have a, a special episode with both of our Political Insider guests, Patricia Murphy and Tia Mitchell, along with our big boss, Kevin Riley. And so a we uh, were- special, uh, special appearance by Charlie the Dog. A special appearance uh, near the very end that surprised me and I think Kevin as well. But it's always fun having the big boss on the show. Um, As always, to our listeners, thank you so much for your loyalty, for listening to us, for all your feedback. We love getting the texts and the emails and the phone calls and the social media message about the show and your suggestions for how to keep on improving it. Thank you so much. And Patricia, as always, thank you especially for taking time out of your day. And you also are dealing with the constant kid (laughs) corral (laughs) at your house, just like I know I am. We only had to stop the show three times as I yelled at my kids today. The joy of parenting on a podcast. (laughs) Yes. Jay, aren't you jealous? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Happy holidays, guys. It's quiet over there. Happy holidays. (laughs) 
Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.